From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Uh, joining me on the High Desert Hotline for this episode is Molly Solomon, the 10-time Emmy Award winning and longtime uh, NBC Olympics coordinating producer who since 2012 has been the executive producer and senior vice president of production and operations at the Golf Channel. Molly, welcome to the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with Ed Sports TV Ratings. Hey there, Robert. Thank you for the invitation to join the podcast. Ah, thank you for thank you for accepting it. So uh, let's start you off with a fun one. I, I know you kind of started out on a on a, a, a career path that that might have had you being a diplomat or a State Department official or some kind of maybe CIA agent, and uh, <laughs> now you have ten Emmy statues. So uh, for for my fans who uh, are, are are also uh, fans of Tony Kornheiser like I am, where are your Emmy statues? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I have one case in the, um, well, there's a bookcase at home in the living room that has six of them. They're nicely arrayed, <laughs> three and three. There's one, then there's two upstairs. There's um, one, uh, one up in Hilton Head. We have, a, we have a nice little golf vacation home. And I gave one to my dad. Uh, the latest one in the we won for Golf Channel this year is sitting next to my desk, which I think it means I'm missing one. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure where it is. Ooh. You need like a find find my Emmy statue instead find of find my, my Emmy statue exactly. So we're missing one. I think I gave it to my dad, but I'm not sure. At some point, <laughs> I should go looking for it. Ah. All of them are big. It's uh, there's always a story behind each one, and it, and when you have cocktail parties, it's kind of fun because people all want to you know pose with the Emmy. So it makes it <laughs> it makes me seem more important than I really am. Okay, well, we'll we'll move on to something a a lot more serious. So when when you took your current role, you became the first female executive producer of a national sports network. And uh, so my question is, five years later, are, are you still the only one? I still am the only one, which is really sad, but there's a lot of women in really elevated positions in production when you look up at ESPN, and they're always making new um, new assignments. So whether the title is executive producer um, or not, there's still a lot of women making inroads in production. So I'm, I'm really proud of that. I always said that I'm proud that I'm the first female executive producer of a national sports network, and no one will ever have to wear that label again, because now it's just about earning the job and and doing the job. So there's a lot, it's, it's becoming a bigger and deeper bench in production. And, you know, titles aside, I always look up to Suzanne Smith, who's the first female to direct NFL games and she's doing a lot on, on her own. So uh, you look at what Beth Moens did this week. So more and more, we're going to talk less about gender and just about people doing a really outstanding job. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if it was on, on, on Richard Deitch's podcast or, or somewhere else, but uh, you, you said something like the, uh, the challenge now is uh, just to sponsor more women so they are offered more executive uh, you know, chances. And I'm just wondering, what does that sponsorship look like? How does that work? You know, it's interesting as I was um, up at Sports Business Journal and we were, we were talking about diversity in sports at the you know in collegiate athletics um in in communications but also i've learned so much because i work with kpmg it's it's interesting that it's the same struggle in all industries be it american business or communications or collegiate athletics it's getting people to the quote-unquote ceo level to the c-suite putting people um in ceo level positions where they're running companies and um we're all facing that we've got a lot of vps how do we get people into sv 
SVP roles and, and above. And um, I always said that it, it was so hard because you never had female role models. But now this next generation does have female role models. And I think you're going to see, you know, you're going to see more and more people, you know, getting up to that very top platform going forward. Yeah, so you you have uh, many, I think, what are unique experiences, and uh, one of them is that your executive producer and and your husband Jeff Russell, uh, who yeah. I think was there first, is executive editor at the Golf Channel, and I know you've you've covered this ground plenty, uh, but other than marrying well, do you have any advice for making that kind of thing work? I, I think you have to know your marriage well before um, you you want to work with each other. I think in most cases when people work with their spouse, it's because they meet their spouse in the workplace and, and therefore you end up, you know, working, uh, you know, in different departments or things like that. But Jeff and I actually chose this life. You're right. He was uh, the editor of Golf World magazine. And um, when NBC Universal um, brought Golf Channel into the portfolio, you know, they, they went after him. They said, you know, we want you to be the John Walsh of Golf Channel, which is someone to help really guide our um, our journalism and how we cover stories. And so um, he was offered the job, and, and the job of executive producer of Golf Channel was one I had always wanted because I admired this place. I was a huge fan of the place. So right. to be able to work where work where I watched <laughs> was yeah. going to be would be something I always wanted to do, and I was ready for a new challenge. So both of these opportunities opened up at the at the um, same time, and you know. It is new ground, and nobody can tell us how to how to manage them. You know, obviously, we don't report to each other. We we work in partnership, and you know, I think from the very first day, we were always thinking we never want anyone to feel uncomfortable around us, but but we also can't not work together because that's what our two roles require. So it's it's always interesting. I think the, the hardest part, though, is at home because you never turn off work, and that's just because we're, we work for a 24-7 cable sports channel, so there's no weekends off. There's always something happening. We have a news division, so we do live programming every single day of the year, um, and so how do you turn that off at home because the TV never goes off, so in intellectually how do you turn it off personally i think that's a big reason why our kids aren't so much into golf is because they're surrounded by it 24 7 yeah yeah so on top of all that you have uh what i guess now are teenage triplets uh uh-huh. when, when you're at home so so husband and wife at the golf channel and and then uh it's three girls right actually we have 14 year old triplets two girls and a boy a blonde a brunette and a redhead uh. And wow, as I tell everybody everything. right now, we're in the middle of zitty, greasy awesomeness. <laughs> so um, it's 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 a fabulous case. It's like it's living a sociology study, um, Robert, to see how everybody these three can be so different and yet so similar. So we just happen to have a really unique lifestyle, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, that yeah, and you've you've had great experiences too. So the so the thing that uh, that that really caught my attention uh, was was your experiences with Dick Ebersol. Um, mm-hmm. And I've never really heard you talk broadly about them. And, and so I'm wondering if, if you'd be willing to do that. Yeah. Um, Dick Ebersol was really just so important um, to bringing me up in this business. It's, it's funny when you don't really know you've been tabbed to have a, a mentor or a sponsor, but when um, it's a really special job when you get the Olympic researcher job. It went back to the 60s and the 70s, and Dick had that job as Olympic researcher to Rune Arledge. Um, and so many people that are still 
at NBC Sports were brought up in this Olympic researcher. Um, I'd say fraternity, but it was no longer a fraternity once I got the job in 1990. But this group of people who were very close to each other. But um, Dick really brought me under his wing. And I, I ended up in so many meetings when I was 25 years old where, you know, you're observing, you're listening, you're taking it all in, you're digesting because you're learning how to make decisions. You're learning strategy. You're learning how to be good partners to the NBA, to the IOC, to the NFL. And I was so lucky to be part of that. So I got to learn so, so quickly. Um, and it really meant the world to me. And uh, the one story I always like to tell about Dick is that um, as opinionated as he was, he he wanted to hear other opinions. He may say, that's ridiculous, but you had to be ready for that. But you, he wanted people to give him different opinions. And for some reason, I like to do that. And uh, we, we would go back and forth a lot. I was in charge of all the um, Olympic uh, talent. So, you know, on some Olympics, we had a hundred and I think 106 announcers at like wow. the Ath summer Athens Olympics. And I was in charge of, of, um, finding them, presenting to him, getting him to sign off. And, you know, we, we would disagree at times, but it was so much fun, so much fun to be challenged. And at times he would let you take a risk, but there were other times, you know, he really truly believed in his opinion and wanted to follow that. But, but nonetheless, it, it really showed me that leaders want different opinions. They don't want yes men, yes women in their company. And um, I, I just, I value all those years together. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine what a great experience that was for you at that age. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's just tremendous to, to have access to all that. It was funny in the in the Olympics. Um, my role was always in the early years once I started producing is Dick traditionally um, they built a bedroom in the International Broadcast Center. So he physically lived where he worked. <laughs> and um all the rest of us would go back to hotels, but he always put me on the overnight shift when, for you know, whatever live cable telecast or late night show on NBC we had. And I was always in charge of the one. So while Dick slept, I was, I was in charge. And so I always rude the day when I'd have to go wake him up and tell him <laughs> something has happened. And it did finally happen. He was in his pajamas in Athens. It was the final day of the Olympics. And um, I was producing MSNBC and uh, Lester Holt was our anchor. And we looked up into the monitors, and there was a um, there's a huge banner hanging from the Parthenon, and we could oh. see it on one of our beauty cameras. It was protesting something I can't remember, and I was like, "I gotta go wake Dick up." <laughs> oh no! Wow. So, um, you know, one thing, uh, and I am not a, a person who like really analyzes the uh, the product that I'm seeing on TV. Uh, I enjoy the product, but I, I don't really think about much of, about how how the uh, how the sausage is being made, and mm -hmm. uh, and you know if I go to a restaurant, a good restaurant, I enjoy the meal. I don't need to see the kitchen or the chef or how the meal was prepared. Uh, but I, I was listening uh, recently. I think it was uh, Richard Deitch and Jim Miller were talking uh, somewhat about the the U.S. Open tennis coverage, mm -hmm. and uh, Jim. He is the kind of guy who I think in another life might have might have wanted to be a producer, and and so he he thinks a lot about what's going on in the truck, and uh, and 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 hearing them talk about that, uh, it, it it just made me kind of want to put myself in your shoes to how how do you react to uh, you know the the second guessing of your work. It, it, even even just in entertainment, how much how much do you, uh, of any of that do you take in, and. Uh, I, or, or do you not think about it at all? Well, I, 
I think you always should take into account um, criticism or feedback um, from viewers. And social media, we like to say, is the is the new electronic complaint box. Right? <laughs> um, and you know, I'll I'll take the temperature um, by reading um, social media because you do want to see what people are saying. But I also find that they'll say something negative, but if things are going well and they're enjoying something, they won't usually give that a shout out. So you have to keep all of it um, in balance. But I do think it, you know you can't be afraid to to hear negative feedback. Um, but to that end, you also if you're a professional you know what good television is. And, and I know when we're doing well, when we're telling stories correctly, when we're covering something to the fullest. So usually I would always go with my gut instincts, but, but I also take the viewers into, into account. Um, so I think it's a balance of all of that. What, what I always want to shout from the rooftops is, do you realize the complexity of broadcasting um, a golf tournament? Because it's, it's not, it, I mean, imagine it's 18 holes, it's eight courts. When you cover a basketball game, you're covering one court with, I don't know, it could be anything from five to 10 to however many cameras they have right. for the NBA finals. But at every single tournament, think about that web.com, Champions Tour, LPGA, PGA Tour, we're covering 18 holes. Every single tournament is wired for 18, cabled for, um, for 18 hole coverage. So that's 18 fields of play. So it's just, it's monumentally uh, complex. And so the people that do it well, people like Tommy Roy and Doug Graybert and Brant Packer, Joe Martin, Joe Delve John Del Vecchio, they're really, really master craftsmen. So I think that's underrated. And I invite you to a television golf truck, Robert, at some point to see it because it really is, it's, it's like conducting an orchestra. Yeah, I, I, I will definitely try to take you up on that someday. So the, the, the most recent sort of social media thing that I that I saw a lot of, you know, pe people commenting on, and it wasn't really about the production. It just kind of the way golf works. Sometimes it was, uh, it was uh, Spieth on 13 on the, on the final day of the open. Uh, uh -huh. and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I guess the, w what wound up taking around a half an hour, uh, to play <laughs> that shot. And, and so can you, can, you know, that just seemed to me like to, mm -hmm. to, a, a good example. Can you, can you talk about what was happening in the truck as that was happening? Mm -hmm. It was it was um, an amazing moment, right? It, part of um, being a, a producer is all of a sudden realizing you're in that seminal moment. You're in that moment of the championship that's going to be remembered. And all of a sudden he hits, you know, it could have just been a bad tee shot. And we're coming down the stretch and you know it's going to be dramatic. But then he starts looking for it and looking for it. And he gets up on that big bluff. And the shot is so amazing from the wire cam. And he just keeps looking. And then he's taking, you know, then he's trying to take the drop and watching Doug Grabert and Tommy go through all of this. And, and there's lots of parts to this, right? It's one, showing the lie. It's two, talking about the rules of golf and how that'll be interpreted. And you have a rules expert um, in the booth to explain it. And, and also then showing the playing partner, right? Kuchar is sitting yep. on the ground at this point. And so um, what I think we did a great job was balancing all of those storylines um, and staying in the moment. Um, but it was just, it was, it was craziness because 
so many times in sports you think we've never seen this before, and that was one of those we've yep. never seen this before. And then what followed the shot making of his on the next few holes was yep. just it was outrageous, and it just reminded us why we love why we love sports so much. But I thought the NBC Sports team did a really great job documenting all those different layers of what was happening. Yeah, I mean, so for 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 me as just a home viewer, I mean, I know a lot of people on Twitter were complaining that it was taking, you know, thirty minutes for a shot and nothing was happening. But but for me, that thirty minutes was a whole lot of drama and and entertaining drama. I agree. So, so, I agree. Uh, I hadn't heard that complaint um, more more than not. People wanted to understand what was he trying to do. But what was fascinating to me is that Jordan Spieth knew the rules of golf so well that he was using them to his advantage because he knew them. And that's just being a smart athlete. Um, And he could get what he wanted within the rules of golf, but he understood the rules of golf and therefore he could do it. And um, you probably didn't see this, Robert, but we did a fantastic job on the post-game show on Live from the Open Championship where um, Matt Hegarty and the team called David Rickman, the head of the RNA Rules Committee, and said, hey, would you meet us down on the range by the equipment trucks where the drop was offered um, to Jordan Spieth. And can you explain to us why that was the right rule? What went into that decision-making? And we went down, found the divot, and he wow. sat there in the post game and actually explained it. And, and that's where um, I'm so proud of this team, not only Tommy Roy and the NBC golf team, you know, doing such a great job explaining it on the air in the moment, which you know is so hard, but yeah. then quickly our you know, team of Brandel Shamley, Frank Navalo, and Rich Lerner thinking about, okay, what can we do to take this further in the postgame, to, sh- to take the golf fans somewhere they'd never imagined? And that's what I love about working at Golf Channel is that we get to go inside. We get to go as deep as we want because that's what our fans want. And I thought um, the postgame show that night was just extraordinary. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to move on and and let you talk about all the good stuff that's coming up on, on golf channel and NBC. But, but before doing that, what's your best Uh Bob Costas story? Oh gosh. Um, I have so many. My, my favorite one is that, um, we were we were paired together um, for the 1992 Olympics, and I was his researcher, and he was getting ready to host for the very first time um, as the primetime host. So we were both kind of like, oh my gosh, we've got to do this. We got to, How are we going to pull this off? And we were so dedicated to it. And we hold up in a in a um, in uh, a hotel room in Barcelona for three weeks. And literally I was showing him tape of swimming races and talking to him, you know, um, through all the storylines, things like that. I think he had this wacky pair of red, white, and blue shorts he wore. And we, we would sit there for days and days and days. And finally we, we get in there. And um, I remember sitting on the floor and Christina Egerzegi of Hungary is winning the 200 meter backstroke. And I'm sitting on the floor, handing him cards as he's talking live on the air and I was like if America could only see <laughs> what he and I are going through right this minute but he's um he's so incredibly talented and he's also um you know I was a 23 year old kid and he just he he always respected um those that were helping him and how we were helping him and making him look good. And I love the appreciation and he's been a terrific partner all these years. So uh, moving on to the golf channel, did, uh, did our friend Dave, did he arm you with ratings data? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. yeah. I'll, 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 I'll let you pick them. Um, 
I think when we talk about what's been a great surprise the last few weeks have been the PGA Tour rating story, the playoff rating story. Um, you know, when you look at who's been in contention the last few weeks, it's been all the guys that the audience wants to see, that we want yep. to see. The stars are out in full force. So when you get, you know, DJ and Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, um, Ricky Fowler all contending, the audience is going to be there. So we've been really thrilled to see the ratings really rebound in the playoffs. I think they were up 17 and 25% the first two weeks. And, wow. you know, you've seen the leaderboard the last few days. It's been really, really good. So it, it all leads to, I think, what's going to be a really good month, um, even though you're up against the uh, the NFL playoffs or NFL playoffs, the NFL regular season, the playoffs are doing well. So it's great to see the stars continuing to do really, really well. Yeah, that uh, that is uh, that is pretty good. Uh, so, what is coming up the weekend uh, that would I guess start uh, Thursday, the twenty eighth of September? So we're excited because it is a President's Cup year, and that means the United States team goes up against the internationals, which are the best players outside of uh, the U.K. and Europe. And that means that um, they're all coming to New York City. So when you send golfers to the biggest media market in the world, I think it's really great for golf. So we're really excited about the President's Cup on Golf Channel and NBC the last weekend of the month. And uh, and the the week before that, I, I am uh, I'm a little bit off my game today. On the the weekend of uh, I guess like the 21st through the 24th. Yeah, we got the end of the FedEx the FedEx Cup season, so the Tour Championship. So um, Tour Championship comes up, you know, 10 million dollars on the line, and we've got all the right players in the mix. So I think it'll be really really exciting coming down the stretch with 10 million on the line. Last year, you know, Rory McIlroy was able to win it in the playoff, and um, this year we've got all the big names contending. So we're really Really, we're really thrilled to see it come. And then right away, they all head up to New York City. And, uh, you know, we love when golf heads to New York City because we can really take advantage of the NBC Universal portfolio. So uh -huh. I think you're going to see golf content on the Tonight Show, Today Show, you know, Seth Meyers, CNBC, all of that. So we're all heading up to Liberty National. If you've ever seen that golf course, it's on an island. Um, you know, the backdrop is the New York City skyline, the Statue of Liberty. I mean, it's so picturesque, Robert. We can't go so fingers crossed we've got good september weather no rain but it could be really really extraordinary and in the past the u.s has been you know very very strong but i think this is the deepest international team they've had in a while so we're hoping for you know some fireworks come the weekend uh and uh, around uh, both the 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 end of the playoff and the and the president's cup are, are you going to be doing any, anything special uh, as far as a live from or anything else on the golf team yeah yeah we'll have the live from crew we'll be in new york we'll be on the island we've also had a month-long um series road to the president's cup that's been on nbc so we've done all of that and and next weekend one of my favorite next week one of my favorite nights is wednesday night when the Payne stewart award is um handed out in atlanta so that's on the eve of the tour championship and it actually honors a player and what they've contributed and some just the greats of the game have won the Payne stewart award and this year stewart sink for everything he and his family have done in the atlanta area are being honored and what's so cool about it's just a it's a it's a um, um, presentation, but so many of um, the golfers being honored, their peers come. So you see Jordan Spieth is sitting in the audience, you know, Ernie Els, Peter Jacobson, Zach Johnson. So it's a really, really um, poignant night. So um, that's that's what I will would set my DVR for is Wednesday night in the Payne Stewart Award. That, that uh, I, I've written it down and I, I, I definitely will, <laughs> will set my DVR. So um, I, I, I'm curious about a couple things. So, you know, sure. I, I know that, that 
all you can do is make the best product that you can make. And uh, it doesn't matter who's golfing. You got to You got to do what you got to do. But uh, what's your sense on sort of the uh, uh, the, the migration uh, of, uh, of golf viewership post Tiger? Mm-hmm. You know, Tiger, when I look back, I got here in 2012, the fall of 2012. In 2013 was Golf Channel's um, most watched year. And Tiger won five times that year. Two of them were Monday finishes on Golf Channel. So it was an extraordinary year. And you look back, you know, it was probably a watershed year. And, um, but things, it, things rebounded very quickly, and I think surprisingly so. I'll give you an example in a second. But when Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas retired, you know, the ratings, um, they declined somewhat. But what surprised me is as transformational, transcendental an athlete Tiger was, um, how quickly we've seen a new generation come up that is actually really, really intriguing golf fans. Because when I think back at 98 when Jordan retired, it took a long time for the same interest to be peaked when LeBron came. That was actually a yep. long time. Yep. But with Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, you know, DJ, Rory, um, we're actually seeing a golfer, particularly in Jordan Spieth, that is moving the needle no one's ever going to move the needle like Tiger did. But when you get a generation of group, a group of guys that are interesting to viewer, I'm really, really, really pleased at where we are. And so if you fast forward, I talked to you about the ratings in 2013. In 2016, we nearly equaled that, um, the ratings of 2013. And that was because we didn't have Tiger anymore, but we've really strategized and tried to build golf channel around marquee events. So we yeah. added the open. We had Olymp- uh, golf in the Olympics. World Long Drive, we've also started broadcasting the NCAs. So we've taken a different tack, and we want to have as much live tournament golf in so many different forms as we can. But in the meantime, and we just talked about the playoff ratings, I think these young golfers are starting to really, really engage the viewer. So we're really hopeful going forward. I mean, if you would have told me Jordan Speed back in 2013 was going to be, you know, one of the new stores, I wouldn't have believed it. But I think they've done a really nice job. But you're never going to replace Tiger. But, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and I like where we're at right now. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I think the, you know, the, the interest is growing, but uh, I don't know that the, you know, that the ratings and the interest are necessarily uh, timed together. I, I think the, the viewership no. lags our, our perception by, by just a little but, bit. But, you know, you talk about viewership lags. The other thing that you're also fighting, though, is competition with connected devices, right? Oh, sure. In 2013, um, we weren't fighting connected devices, but what we're finding is sports fans now are prioritizing their their viewing and they didn't do that before they yep. just went for what was offered what live programming is offered on the weekend now you know i'm looking at my netflix account and knowing yep. that i've got three more episodes of billions to watch <laughs> so you have much more choices and i and uh, you know it's not just it's not just golf channel everybody's biggest competition now is connected devices and you may yep. be seeing that you know on the nfl ratings as well then you throw in irma and uh, yep. trump and damn yep. it's a it's a very crowded <laughs> landscape of choices well well uh, looking ahead what 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 are you excited about for next year what, what what's coming up in 2018 that you're really revved up about I'm very excited about something called the World Long Drive Tour, which is um, we've 
broadcast the World Long Drive Championships, the World Championships, a couple of years. But this year we also started creating um, the World Long Drive Tour, and we're televising stops. And this year we did three, and we should increase that next year. So it's kind of like, you know, in, in imagine being in golf television, Robert, because you're you're trying to migrate live programming to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Yep. Thursday through Sunday, our cupboard is full. So yep. what we're trying to do is what can we do – um, aside from Faraday, which we love, and that's appointment programming yep. um, on Monday nights. But we'd also like to have some tournaments Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And we've been lucky because the Web.com tour, they moved some of their tournaments in January to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You've got um, – things like that but we're also looking at that we found some real characters that are participating in the world long drive people like maurice allen and tim burke and oh my gosh so many of the women um were really terrific and for the first time we we televised their events this year so i don't know i really like this this little niche thing called the world long drive and we're going to see what we can do with it um and that's what I'm looking forward to. And as always, you know, the Open, I just got back from Carnoustie in Scotland. So taking the Open to Carnoustie, it's a grand old dom of a golf course, and I can't <laughs> wait to see everybody suffer through it. So, you know, our, our third year with the RNA, working with the RNA, should be really fantastic. Uh, Molly, thanks very much for joining the podcast. You were great. Thank you, Robert. Thanks again to Molly Solomon for joining the podcast. That last bit where Molly talked about looking for more live events for days and nights not particularly associated with golf will be an interesting trend to watch industry-wide, I think. And a big thanks to Molly also because I came away thinking there are some really great stories from the truck to be told, but I am probably not the right guy to pry those stories out of people. So I reached out to Jim Miller uh, to propose he consider a great moments from the truck series. And I don't know if that will ever come to pass, but it did lead to Jim agreeing to do my podcast uh, so schedule God's willing that podcast will tape and publish on Friday September 22nd I'm really excited about that and you can check out past podcasts with Rachel Nichols who hosts ESPN's The Jump NFL Network and Fox Sports sideline reporter Peter Schrager Scott Van Pelt who hosts the Midnight Sports Center with SVP on ESPN and Sports Illustrated's Richard Deitch you can find all the past podcasts on Apple Podcasts Google Play or SportsTVRatings.com thanks for listening